Grace continues to be divided by, grace grows by, and grace is brought by him. So when we look at grace now, we must not see grace as just a word that is hovering out there. Grace now has an attachment, and that attachment is to Jesus Christ. That's what you must understand. Grace is attached to the works and actions of Jesus Christ. Without the works and actions of him, of whom grace is, whom grace was brought by, whom grace came by, whom grace is divided by, without him, we have no grace. We have no grace without him. There is no opportunity to consider how grace might be applied to your life so that you can be changed into the image of his dear son. Now, along with grace, we want to look at Titus chapter 2. Let's go there. Now, watch what the word said. Verse 10, uh, grace chapter 2 and verse 10. Let me make sure I'm on the right. It's verse 9 to start with. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again. Look at this word servant here. The servant should be obedient to his earthly master or his earthly employer to such an extent that it could be reconciled to his relationship in the spirit world. That's where the Bible is taking us. Exhort servants to be obedient. To be obedient. Now, if grace that you're saved by has come from him, to whom should you be obedient to? Or to whom should you say, well, you know, if I sin, it's okay because grace has got me. I heard a prominent preacher stand up just this week make the biggest despiteful statement towards grace I've ever heard. He said, if I did it, all I got to do is pray from my heart and repent. God will forgive me. What a despite to grace. What a despite to this piece of scripture. What a despite to look up and say, I can mistreat my boss. And he's so good-natured that all I got to do is say, forgive me and he will. He just is so good about me that he will take me in my sin, in my wrongdoing, and say, oh, don't worry about it. You're a good employee. Think about that for a second. Well, that's exactly how we've been preaching grace. That's how we preached it. Now everybody that follows this guy says, oh, well, then I can sin all I want to. I can live however I want to live. I don't have to live with any type of purity, holiness, or righteousness. I can do whatever I want to do because God, if I pray, will forgive me. Well, now then we've got an issue of which I'll get to in a minute. Look at verse 10. Not purloining. You know what that means? Not embezzling, not pulling out, not stealing from him, not saying, okay, I'll go sin when I want to and embezzle out of him grace 
in order to cover what I consider to be my wrongdoings. I will embezzle out of him something by his goodness because I see him in the light of his goodness and I have to do nothing. I can take out of him all I want. It's like the man that asked the old fella, said, I'll pay you $5 for doing this. How much will you take? The man said, $5. So after he got to the end of the day, he began to check his till and he found out he was $10 short. He called in the fellow and he said, you know anything about this? He said, oh, I do. The man said, well, what do you know about it? He said, well, you asked me. You told me and asked me. You said, I'll pay you $5. How much will you take? So you paid me 5 I agreed to take five, that's ten, so if your till is short, that's your fault. That's how we're treating grace. We're getting grace and then taking out of grace, embezzling grace so that we can use it to cover our sin. That's not the idea. That's not the plan of God. We're not to misappropriate the trust that is provided for us by the operation of God. We can chase anything you want to chase in this world, my friend. You can chase doctrine. You can chase history. You can chase any shiny object you want to chase. But when it gets down to what it gets down to, you're going to have to answer the question. Have I been an obedient servant? Have I trusted in him for what he brings to the table concerning grace? Have I held back myself in the spiritual realm? Remember this morning I talked to you about the well or the river of living water. Those that are living out of the well are living out of embezzling from God because they're dipping in this well whenever they need something from God. Whenever they have something that they absolutely cannot find another way to do, they go to God. They run their bucket down into that well and underneath is still water and they draw that still water up and they find the meaning of their need and they call it grace and they begin to rely on well water. But my friend, that's embezzling out of the grace of God because Jesus said out of you is going to flow a river of living water, not just a well, that is sitting there waiting for you to dip as needed and take a drink as needed, but a river of living water that will come out of you as a flowing spring of living water. Why well, how do you get that? Whenever you come under him and become obedient to him in the walk of what he has presented to you as grace. Huh. What a message we're talking. But showing all good fidelity, purloining, not embezzling, not holding back, not living like you want to, and then stepping back over here into grace and saying, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like the guy was preaching, fell down the steps. You know it hurt. I knew it hurt. He jumped up and said, I'm okay. Well, that's how we're trying to live with grace. 
showing all good connection. Now watch this, because we're about to get into something never been preached, never been thought of. No one's ever come to this, this connection. Showing all good connection to truth. Especially upon Jesus Christ as he offers salvation now. What is truth? What is truth? Why is grace in the description of Jesus Christ always followed with truth? You've heard him called grace. You hear Paul preach of grace. And you have heard Paul preach about truth, but you never connected them. Paul talks about the word of truth. Ephesians, Colossians, Thessalonians, the word of truth. What is the word of truth? Why is truth connected to grace? What's the issue here? What is the Spirit of God trying to tell us? Truth is the reality of the divinity of Jesus Christ. Truth brings us into the position in Christ that is called justice. Justice. That's what truth is. Truth is not made up from your own mind. Truth is not something that you just all of a sudden locate a nugget of it. Truth is the location of the divinity of Jesus Christ. When we locate who he is, we will then be able to locate how he ministers grace from his side that we saw in the flesh, grace came. How do we know that, Pastor? Because he was full of it. That's what John said. He was full of grace and full of truth. In other words, he was full of a body that would die on the cross, shed the blood that would be for the remission of sin, and release how we would apply blood into our life. That would be by grace. Grace is an application. It is not a covering. Grace is not a hovering word. It is an application word. It is like taking something and having an itch on your arm. And you scratch it until you bleed. And then you say, oh, I've got to do something here. And the doctor hands you a tube. And in that tube resides the, the, the medication that is in the tube. It will do you no good until it is applied. Now, what are we seeing in Jesus Christ? We're seeing him full of grace and truth in the man that came, full of it. He was full of grace and he was full of div divinity. From his body, from his tube, came a, a, a salve, the balm of Gilead. And that salve came to be applied to the issues of life. So that when the circumstance arose, you had an itch. You took the tube, you didn't put the tube on the arm. Ah, you squeeze the tube until out the end of the tube comes 
the medicine. Once the medicine is there, I apply the medicine to the arm. That's how grace works. Grace comes from the blood. It is an application that comes from him. Now watch this. But truth in connection with grace brings about the justice of God. The justice that is in the divine side of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? God in Jesus Christ from his divine side is always going to produce what is fair, what is beneficial, what is advantageous, but yet what is the absolute correct prescription in his divine side. Oh, now, well, what does that mean to me? Well, I'm going to tell you. Prayer that asks for Christ is always met with grace. Anybody can pray and be saved. Truth, on the other hand, which is married with grace, will then make a divine decision concerning the veracity or the reality of that prayer. That's why all of the things that you pray for doesn't come to reality in your life because most of it are across your own lust. So here we have grace, and somebody said, Lord, forgive me. I want to be saved, and, and, and they're in the, the process, and they get up from here, and they walk out that door, and they go to their car. They strike up a beer and say, praise God. They go out to the beer joint, and they begin to drink and carry on and carouse, and the lifestyle is the same. What's truth saying now? What's truth saying now? Justice is saying, no, 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 no. My divine side says that doesn't work. My divine side of holiness and purity says, you dipped in the well, but the drink you got is not justified in my eyes of truth because truth will always come from the divine side of Jesus Christ. That's why they're connected. That's why grace and truth are connected. Grace will always be applied from him. It will always come through the blood. But truth will always be the balance whereby grace is identified in the divine side of glory as having been applied appropriately or not. Oh, pastor, you messing up a whole bunch of stuff now. You telling me that when they raise their hand and pop that beach ball across these big churches today and say they want to know Christ and they say glory to God and they go out and they live an unholy, unpurified life and they never represent the manufacturer correctly? That the divine side of God by his own justice is saying, I never knew you. Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what I'm saying. The divine side of God, that's why John put these two together. 
He said he's full of grace, but he's also full of justice. He's full of grace, but he's also full of his divine side. He's full of grace, but he's also full of a side of him that's going to look into the very thoughts, intents, and ideas and search the hearts of mankind. And when he does, from the divine side, he is going to validate how grace has been accomplished in your life. Oh, my. Or oh, me. You decide. Because that's what it'll be. It'll be, oh my, I'm living for him. Grace has done its work in me. Or oh me, I don't know him. Because grace has not accomplished in me what he meant for it to accomplish. You must understand that grace is the element that God has designed for you to come out of sin and live under the eternal economy that will result in an everlasting life in cooperation and communication where you as an obedient servant will be brought into the kingdom of his dear son. And one day when this life is over, you will go to be with God and there you will be forevermore. Oh, what a day. But truth has spoken. And it has equal force to grace. Actually, it has ultimate force. Because truth is going to come in and say, grace did its work in Charles. Grace did its work in Sharon. Truth will say, I've searched that heart and all things have worked together for good because truth tells me they love me. They've purged themselves and refined themselves. They are worthy to walk into my place and live and be in my kingdom and I've prepared a home for them. Truth justifies them. But then there is Annie Mae. And she don't live like she should live. And she is not purging nor refining herself into the image of Jesus Christ. She is simply saying one thing to her employer and embezzling grace out of that employer while she lives a life that is steeped in darkness, the demonic, and in sin. Truth says, you have no place in me. Your place is the lake of fire. Your place is a place where you will live in eternal separation from me. But you see, we never want to preach truth. We want to preach grace. Because grace gives us an easy entrance. An easy idea of how we're to go. And everybody's going to heaven. Because of the love of God and grace. But when we apply the truth factor. Things change. Can you see it? Now, 
that they may adorn, look at this, the doctrine of God, our Savior in all things. Look at this now. That we might rightly be able. Now look at the scripture. That they might adorn the doctrine of, our, of God, our Savior. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Look at that. Tell me what you see. What are you seeing in your mind? Look at that. That they might adorn the doctrine of God. Our Savior. If you're not seeing the man in the Godhead, according to Colossians 2, you're not reading right. Because there it is telling you that God, the man in the Godhead, has become our Savior, and he's our Savior in all things. But in all things, he has to become who he was when he was first seen and identified by John. He had to become grace. But grace also had to be measured with truth. Otherwise, the cross would have been of no effect. The cross would have not done its job. The cross would have simply been a moment in time, and any one of those guys could have been the one, and the cross would have been of none effect. But because he is God our Savior, God, in all things, has coupled his ability from the divine truth and from him being our Savior, him that was from the beginning, grace, coupled them so that all things have to come through grace and truth. You see that? Now look. We rightly divide grace and truth into how the world applies to Jesus Christ as Savior and God. We can clearly identify the path forward. If we do not rightly divide grace and truth, we will live under the mechanism of a doctrine that is leading countless of millions of people on their way to the moment when they stand before Jesus Christ and he looks at them and says, I don't know you. Because we are telling them grace is everything, never understanding the divine side of Jesus Christ's truth. Never understanding truth. Without truth, you can never be made free. Without truth, you will never know what it is to be in a position of anything more than your opinion because there's only two things there is either truth or there is your opinion hmm. grace is to be applied from him for the meeting of your every need every sin every iniquity we're going to show you that in just a minute grace truth is to be applied as the ministry from the divine side that operates in justice. So I come to him in sin. And I say, apply grace to my sin. Truth says, that's what grace does. It applies to sin. So truth has been, it justifies that. It is justice for you to have that. You go out and you live like hell and you operate in sin and you keep doing what you have been doing calling yourself to be an employer, a servant of the Most High God, 
There's a grace and truth will look around and say, I will bring you justice. You are lost. Hmm, what a thought. Grace will remain as the avenue of awareness of the believer. And the obedient servant is what is supposed to be the result. Now, why is this important? Because if we separate grace from truth without understanding the connection, we then misrepresent grace as if it were a standalone condition with no, absolutely no possibility of anything else ever existing in the economy of God. Why? Because we didn't read the word. We didn't look at what John said. We didn't listen to, G, to, to Paul say, rightly dividing the word of truth. We didn't hear that. Because we think the word of truth means the word that we read as a Bible. Now I want you to think of this in this way. The word of truth are the divine words of the reality of who Jesus Christ is on his divine side. Not the book, but the truth of his divinity, of him standing as the man who is God, who is also your Savior. Now we can see it differently, you see. Now we look and say, you mean the word of truth is not referring to the Bible as it is written? No, 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 no. The word of truth is referring to the divine side of Jesus Christ, which markets the justice of the Godhead towards every man, woman, boy, and girl who has ever or who will ever live. Now we got a different perspective, you see. Because the word of truth makes us realize we're talking about how the divine justice of God is being served. Of which grace is the entry, the access, not the entry, the access. The blood is the entry, grace is the access, the application. But truth is the measure, the balance that says whether grace has done its job or not. Now therein, my friend, is where we stand in the economy of God. Grace came from him, by him, and through him as it was displayed in the sacrificial body of Jesus. Truth comes from his divine side. Therefore, the justice or fairness of judgment is available to be rendered based upon the actions and the decisions of the man that was judged concerning how he or she handled grace. Now then look at verse 12. Teaching us. Now what, what are we talking about here? We're talking about grace and truth. What is grace and truth supposed to teach us? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, 
righteously and godly in this present world. Why? Because grace has been applied. We become obedient servants to our master. We begin to understand how God, through his son, the Savior, the divine side, has been connected to the human side in all things. Now we look around and say, what has grace taught us? Grace has taught us how to apply him, Jesus Christ, to our worldly needs, our sin, our struggles, the things that we lack, our health, all of those benefits that grace gives has been provided for us to teach us how to accomplish both the human grace side that he brought through his blood and went to hell and rose from the grave for you to have, and truth, which is the divine side of God. From the divine side of God, once grace is applied, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to learn how to live this life soberly, justly, unworldly, not pursuing my lust, but living this life righteously before God. Justice is going to spring up with grace, and it's going to come from the divine side of Jesus Christ, and your life's going to be changed. Glory to God. Mm, what a message. Grace will always pair with truth. Applied grace. Now look at verse 13. Looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing. Looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of the great God. There it is again. There it is again. And Savior. The Godhead, the man in the Godhead, the divine side. What we know and must understand as truth. And the Savior, who we know as grace. Who is Jesus, the one who died on the cross. And Christ the one who raised from the dead. You see it. Titus has got it clear as a bell. We live in view of applied grace and how it makes us into the image of his dear son. We live knowing that the man in the Godhead bodily has dispensed grace and our expectation and confidence in how we will overcome the world. That's what that word hope means. The blessed hope. Confidence an expectation of how grace will be applied in our life. And truth will justify how we apply it. If we apply it in, uh, uh, irregularly, if we apply it unrighteously, if we embezzle it, well then, my friend, your hope and expectation in the God who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, cannot be set firm it cannot have hope and expectation. It will only be covered with struggle. It will be wrapped in turmoil. It will live in trouble. And it will take you to the well where you will try to dip out a bucket and think that that's enough. And you will never live in the river of living waters. You will never know what the river of living waters is because grace will not take you there and truth will not justify you being there. My God, 
What a word. Looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Look at this. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all. Now look at it now. This is what grace is doing for you. It is redeeming you, buying you back from all of your wickedness in depth and law. Now watch it now because there are two different things you need to see here. Number one, you need to see wickedness. Iniquity in you is wickedness. It came from the fall. You had wickedness because of what Adam and Eve did. Your spirit man was disconnected, disapproving of God. From that, they begin to all try to make a tower of Babel where everybody speaking the same language, doing the same thing, could find their way to be their own God. God said, no, we're not going to do that. He messed up their talk. That's what they're trying to do to you today. Trying to all get you to talk alike, think alike, act alike, believe alike. All trying to get you to come under this diversity, equity, and inclusion. All trying to get you to talk about the love of God as if the love of God has no parameters. As if the love of God is for everybody. They'll tell you that God loves the the sinner and hates the sin. That's a bald-faced lie. God has never in His Word declared that He loves sin. And God has never said that he loved the sinner. As a matter of fact, he said it's an abomination for the sinner to even pray. Huh? God is not in love with sin. That's the lie they want you to hear. He never has been, nor will he ever be. He is a pure and holy God. He has produced a man, Jesus Christ, to bring grace into a world to say to the sinner, Look at this. I'm buying you back from all of that in-depth wickedness of which you used to have. Now, there's a second side here you need to know about. The second side is your lawlessness. That is where you step out of line and do it on purpose. You step out of line because you're lost in lust. You step out of line because you want to be a liar. I know them and you know them too. They look you right dead in the eye. And they lie. Point blank. Tell bald faced great big lies. You know it's a lie. They know it's a lie. You can tell by the way they're talking and looking that they're a bald faced liar. Huh? Coming all up in your face and telling you lies. Yeah, we, we, you, you know who they are. I know who they are. I know when they're lying, and so do you. It don't take spiritual discernment to figure out a liar. We all know them. That lawless spirit, that look at me and do for me spirit, that lawless one. Someone said, but pastor, they've got grace. Yes, to them they have grace, but they have not applied that grace. What is God looking at them and saying? Injustice 
You're doing wrong and you are not accepted in the kingdom of God. Why? Because you knew not to be a liar. The word of God declared for you not to be a liar. You knew not to be selfish. You knew not to be anything more than obedient to your master. And you chose to be a liar. And you chose to discredit the kingdom of God with foolishness. Oh, and God is saying to you, I died for that lawlessness. Truth says, justice to you is separation from me. Oh, bless God. What a message. What a word from the Spirit of God. Look at the Scripture. So we've been redeemed from iniquity. We've been redeemed from in-depth wickedness. And we've been redeemed from lawlessness. That's why Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, wrote about all the works of the flesh. That's why Paul said there was a remedy for all the works of the flesh. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Once the fruit of the Spirit comes in, grace begins its operation, and the laws of the flesh go their way. What happens now? Truth justifies you. Justice says, that's my boy. That's my girl. That's just my baby dog. Ain't that what they say? Have you heard that? That's so cute. Justify. Now watch. And purify. Now watch this now because this is important. Remember I started this by talking about my grace and my strength. Remember that? The grace is his. The strength is his. All of this belongs to him. Now watch what he said. And purify unto himself. Now what's he saying there? Grace and truth are going to purify him to himself a peculiar people. What's going to happen to that peculiar people? That peculiar people is going to not only avoid, they are going to eliminate through grace and in justification of truth, all of this sin that used to be in them from in-depth wickedness and lawlessness. That's what Jesus Christ is trying to do, friends. That's what grace is all about. Grace is not about saying to you, you live like hell and you're going to heaven. That is an absolute affront and an insult to grace. That is a, let, me, let me say this again so everybody can hear me. That is an insult to grace. Why? Well, let me explain it to you. Look at the scripture. Purify unto himself. Grace is Jesus Christ. Grace came by him. It was in him in fullness. When he died... He died to cleanse, purge, and refine you so that you could live in himself. What is he, pastor? The only way you can get in there is through grace. The only way you could come into him is through truth. People talk about, I'm going to go into the throne of God, and I'm going to, no, you ain't. Not until you come by grace and truth. No, you can pray to your blue in the face, 
But if you don't understand grace and truth, you do not have access. Oh, now, pastor. No, my friends. Because he is purified people unto himself. Look at the scripture. A peculiar people. What would a peculiar people be? It would be a people that did not operate in iniquity. They didn't operate in wickedness. They didn't operate in selfishness. They didn't operate thinking of themselves. They didn't operate as liars. They didn't operate as thieves. They didn't embezzle from grace and say, oh, I'm okay because grace is this and grace is that. It is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Huh. All of a sudden, I got to take on a different thought. I got to become a peculiar people. What does peculiar mean? It means unique. Now, what would a unique person living in a natural body look like? He would look like one that has come through grace and received the divine justice of Jesus Christ. And who is purified unto Jesus Christ with his actions and then the Holy Spirit being replicated in him as he was in Jesus. Every action of Jesus Christ has purified you from the cross to the tomb to the grave into the tabernacle where he's the high priest, where he became Lord, and we have seen him twice in Titus as the God who is our Savior, so we know he is the man in the Godhead bodily. Can't get over it, can't get around it, can't get through it. You just got to accept what the Word of God says. Now watch. Zealous unto good works, purifying unto himself a people, cleansed, purged, and refined, so that we can become the ones who by the phrase, the phrase, the idea, the teaching of salvation would become perfected by the application of his grace. Look at Ephesians 2.10. I'm about done. For we are his workmanship. Who is his workmanship? Those who have come through grace. How have they come through grace, Mike? They have come through grace, been applied to their life to such an extent that the truth of God justifies, the justice is there. That he justifies them. He looks at them in fairness and says, yes, grace has worked in you. Yes, grace has healed you. Yes, grace has forgiven your in-depth wickedness. Yes, grace has forgiven your lawlessness. Yes, grace has forgiven your addictions. Yes, grace has forgiven you for being a liar. Yes, grace has, yes, truth has worked in you, but in many it has not. So we are under his workmanship being purified unto himself, created. Now, here we go. How were we created? What created us in Christ Jesus? What did that? Where did it come from? What was the idea of creation in Christ? It was grace. Applied grace. Where truth says, yes, and amen. Created in Christ Jesus. What for? To come unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should by grace and truth walk in them. He would operate grace in us, and that grace would destroy every other work. Unless we decided we were not going to allow grace to work. 
Grace is, is the blood is the strongest agent the world has ever known. If the blood applying grace cannot heal you, if the blood through applied grace cannot change your attitude, if the blood through applied grace cannot make you into the image of Jesus Christ, then it is neither the blood nor grace that's causing you not to get there. You have decided absolutely not. And truth says, I don't know him, nor do I know her. Why? Because the blood and grace didn't work? No, 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 no. No. Nope. Because you refuse to allow grace. You refuse to come humbly before grace and let grace be applied to your life. And therefore, truth looks at you and says, in fairness to the purity and the holiness of God, in fairness, fairness to the God who sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, in fairness to how God saw from the foundation of the world that you needed a Savior. In fairness to God, I cannot accept who you are as you are. There is a remedy, however. Go back to grace. Apply grace. Get right with grace. Who are you getting right with? This word that dangles out there? No, no, no. Jesus Christ. How come? Because he is full of grace. And he is full of truth. And he came with it to give to you. He'll operate grace in you. Manufacture you until you reflect the work of the manufacturer. But if you look at grace through any other lens, you will no, never be manufactured. You will be the one that lays on the floor. You'll be the one that lays on the floor and never gets out of the box to be manufactured. You'll be the one who is cut away by the manufacturer and said, truth tells me you're, this piece is not good enough. You'll lay on the floor, and one day you'll either come before him because you have passed from this world into another, or the trump of God will sound, and the righteous will be drawn away, and you'll be one day too late. Jesus came. And you were left behind to wait. And grace will have been in the world to be your remedy. And truth will have been coupled with it. So that you in fairness, God could look at you and say, justice demands eternal life in my presence. But justice now demands that you be cast into the lake of fire and live in total separation from me. Justice demands 
Where did it come from, Pastor? Now watch it now because I'm done. It came from the same place grace did. The same man that was giving you grace is also going to be your justice. Man has two options in this life. He will either face Jesus Christ as grace that we know as the lamb on the, on the cross. Or he will face him as truth of which he becomes the lion of the tribe of Judah. Where on the throne he looks out and says, who are you? Truth from my divine side says, I can't justify you. I can only do justice to you. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I have explained grace. And I have explained truth. And these two must reconcile. They must reconcile. In the courtroom of heaven, they must reconcile because the God who is our Savior is in all of it. And without grace and without truth to justify what has been applied, man is lost. For he, you, Jesus, are grace and you are truth. Now, Father, we search our hearts today because we know that Romans 8, 27 says you are searching us. What in me separates me from you? What in me? Is it a lying tongue? Is it a selfish tongue? Is it a lust of my eye? Is it a lust for money? What is it, God, that I would, you would look at me and say, therein you're lawless and grace has never been applied? What is it? As we evaluate ourselves today, God, we spill our heart over to you. May the Holy Spirit, who is searching me right now, and searching the congregation and searching those on YouTube, Lift Him Higher Radio and Mike Springston FFC Podcast. May the Holy Spirit that is searching identify the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And as we sit, if we find in us areas where we have never applied grace because we have been too strong-willed to apply grace to our tongue, to our mind, to our own wants and our own desires. We've been too strong and rebellious to say, God, I need you to apply grace, Jesus Christ, to this spot to this area, to this thing, to this need. And in so praying, God, by faith, we take 
<laughs> the grace that's being applied. We put it upon our heart. We go into the stubbornness and the rebelliousness and the I know betterness and the I was taught this way and the doctrines that I have been taught that are becoming to me to be known as untrue. I have followed and now I see. And I'm applying Jesus in grace to my life. I lay down my rebellious spirit. I lay down my inability to be humble. I lay down all of the foolishness that I'm finding running around in my heart and trying to hide from me. I lay it down. And I apply grace. Purify me now, Father. Do it by faith. Now when you pray, truth begins to kick in. And it knows what you're saying. And it knows the exact veracity and efficacy of which you are speaking it. Whether you're being truthful about it, or whether you're just saying some words because the preacher has made me feel bad. Are you being real because truth is saying, I get it, I hear it, I see it, I'm applying it, or truth says, no, 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 I know what's going on in your heart, and your heart is not clean before me. Your motives are not right before me. You are not praying because this is what you want. This is really what you perceive that you need based on the Word of God. You're praying because the preacher is leading you that way. But when you get up and walk out of here, you ain't going to be any different because you are not praying in the Spirit. And in the in other words, you're not praying in the Spirit of the intensity of your breath. That's what that term Spirit means. You're not praying in the spirit of truth coming into the divine order of the reality of Jesus Christ. Now we know what spirit of truth means. So where are you today? God, do a work. Cut out, extract, eliminate in the heart of your people. Cause grace to work until truth and fairness justifies the purity of what has been done in their hearts. Manufacture Jesus Christ in them. Stand with me now if you have done so and raise your hands and say, Father, I thank you for cleansing, for purging, for refining me. I thank you that I bow my heart before you and I give myself to you. And truth has justified me. I feel washed as white as snow. I feel as though the blood of Jesus Christ has released grace and grace has changed me. Glory to God. Grace has made me free, not set me free. I'm not set free, I'm made free. If I was set free, I could go back where I got caught. 
But I'm made free, so I ain't got to go back there no more. I'm made free. There is no more entrapment for me. Because the common things that entrap me, I've found my way of escape through grace. And I'm living in truth. Give the Lord a hand crap of praise. Now for those of you that have listened to us on Facebook and all of our various media ministries, I cannot help what it is that you have been taught or told about grace. Because without the connection of truth, then grace can never be understood. Because grace will appear as though it is an open market for you to live like you want under grace. But truth, connected, puts me in the divine side where justice from the Godhead will always be served. Come to Him. Lay your heart before Him. Open your heart. He will come in and He will manufacture in you a brand new heart of peace and joy. A brand new heart of perfection, purified. He will manufacture in you the good works that God has before ordained for you to live in and walk in. And my friend, therein is the place of complete peace. Therein is the place where we no longer dip in the bucket. Out of our belly comes a river of living water. Flowing, living, walking, and moving. Forever following Jesus Christ, our Master. Father, minister peace in the hearts of your hearers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God richly bless you as we leave this building. May your new years be a new year where the river of Almighty God flows in everything you do. And the presence of God is always identifiable as you live in Him. In Jesus' name. God bless you. And we will meet Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night. God bless you.